0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Right, so we are in a series called Fruitful Families and we're the third weekend. I'm very, uh, very proud of my dear wife. She spoke brilliantly last week. I love listening to her preach. She's got an awesome gift. Uh, she spoke on mothers i hope you were encouraged mums and all the rest of us there was something for us to take away i'm speaking today about fathers Um, and i've decided to talk uh, to to title my message today the world needs dads The world needs dads so I'm just going to jump straight in if that's all right Um, I'm not I'm sure you can agree with me if you you know you've seen around there is there's a a chronic breakdown of what I would call God's idea of families today amen I think that what most of us have seen or experienced is far short of God's best plan for us Um, and in the context of that there's also a real epidemic of fatherlessness Um, and I'm going to give you a few stats a little bit later on just to help you understand but what we have as a result of the breakdown of the family and this idea of fatherlessness is we have generations of people who are walking around on this earth who really find it hard to relate to God as their father. And I don't think that the devil is surprised by that because that is a brilliant situation for him. He doesn't want people to connect with God. And yet in heaven, we have a loving heavenly father who is reaching out for us constantly. And yet we don't know how to deal with that. And so I want to talk into that subject a little bit today. I'm kind of asking the question, how does a child begin to understand or relate to God as the father that he really is Right, when they have never experienced anything like that in their lives to this point. Do you understand how we today relate to God very much from the point of how we related to our fathers? our earthly fathers and so with that in mind I'm speaking to those who are fathers and who want to be fathers and those as well who are struggling to be fathers there is there's a gap that God I believe is calling us to bridge because he wants to connect with people he wants to connect with men and women across the earth and he doesn't want this whole idea of fatherlessness to be a prohibitive thing now, I'm aware, like when Heidi spoke last week about mothers, and I'm speaking about fathers today, it's a difficult subject for many people. But I really feel that doesn't mean we shouldn't speak about it. Okay? and you the danger is okay that if I'm speaking to fathers today and I'm holding up God's perspective of fatherhood that there are two things that we could do one is we could start to feel terribly guilty and condemned about what we perceive as how rubbish we are as fathers and I don't think that's God guilt and condemnation is not God okay so I just want to say that up front the second is we could get super proud and say don't tell me how to be a father I think I'm doing just fine and that equally is not God because God hates pride so I'm asking all of us today to have open hearts to admit that there are areas in our lives that we can always do better right remember There are a few things we always have to uphold God's standard because society cannot tell us what the best way forward is in any arena. I'm sorry to say. Okay. God's word is truth. So we want to hold that up today. We're going to remember today that we're all in the same boat. Anyone here perfect? Put your hand up. And if you do, can I ask the person next to you to slap you? Okay. Because you're deluded. You need to wake up. Okay remember God is not interested in our past I'm going to say that again God doesn't care about our past so let's just leave that where it belongs amen God cares about your future and what you decide to do today and how that's going to impact on your future that's what matters he's not here to remind you of your failures he's here to remind you about your possibilities amen so let's not live in the past and my last point please hear me now this is so super important we can spend our lives blaming others we can spend our lives living in our past regrets in people's failures but actually that has no positive effect on our lives so I just want to say we all must take responsibility for our future happiness Okay, stop blaming others for the situation that you've been through or what you've been and even if it has been someone else's fault, you have power to change today. And God is for you, amen. God is for you. It doesn't matter what happened in the past, God can make it good. He promised it in his word. He can work all things together for the good of those who love him, amen. So let me begin by defining what I mean by father because I I, I specifically said in my title today that the world needs dads. D full stop, A full stop, D full stop, S full stop. The world doesn't need fathers and why I'm going to tell you now if you were to strip the whole idea of father down it simply means a man in relation to his child, his ancestor. Okay there are a lot of men And that was simply where the definition of fatherhood ends. It was a matter of biology, okay? And God is calling us to more than that. God is calling us to make a choice to be dads, okay? Because the world doesn't need fathers, it needs dads. In the world, it's become kind of quite acceptable to sire a child and move on but that is completely unacceptable for God. And I don't, I don't want anyone to be contempt, condemned today. I want you to just get a vision for something beautiful because today could be the beginning of the rest of your life. Um, so let me just give you a few statistics to help you understand this issue. Some of these are quite old, so in 2016, um, A survey was done and they found that the cost of family breakdown was 48 billion pounds. 48 billion pounds was the cost of dealing with the fallout of broken families. That means that the average taxpayer paid 1800 quid a year to this issue. Studies have found that fathers are three times more likely to die after separation than mothers. And suicide is now the biggest killer of men under the age of 50. In 2010 the Office for National Statistics reported that there are 3.8 million children who do not live with one or other of their parents. 3.8 million, that was 8 years ago. Um, there's a phrase that I read that I just can't believe that we're in a time when it's, it's used. The phrase, is called, is, the phrase that I'm talking about is father deserts. There are, let me tell you, 236 areas across England and Wales that have at least 50% of the households consisting of families where there is no dad present. 236 areas across the UK where there are 50% of the families that don't have a dad living in the home. And as a result of this we have a generation of lost, angry, resentful young men who are vulnerable to destructive alpha male figures like the local gang leader or drug dealer. I won't go into the stats but how many young men end up in gangs because they don't have a male role model in their lives and there's a guy who seems to be someone to look up to. Uh, In the education system men have been alienated from our education system, one in four primary schools has no male teacher and 80% of of the primary schools in the UK have fewer than three men teaching. There's a guy who says that dad-deprived boys are likely to have low self-esteem, fewer friends, and are likely to do worse in every single academic area. And that's down to the lack of male role models for boys to aspire to. So I hope those are statistics and I, I, I want you to see behind the statistics. I want you to understand that the devil is alive that he's working, that he hates God's idea of the family. And we, at the very least, need to be praying against his efforts. Amen. He doesn't want children to grow up in homes with both parents. And there are people in our church, many people are in that situation. We're not trying to guilt trip anybody. We're just saying, can you see behind it all? Can you see where the devil is going with this? So I wanna say today that becoming a dad is a matter of choice, not a matter of biology. We're gonna look at Galatians chapter four, if we can pop that up, thanks, Rosal. And we're gonna read from this uh, chapter today, a few verses, um, and I want to begin to speak some encouragement to us. It says in verse four of Galatians chapter four, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, listen now, Abba Father. I wanna talk a lot about that little phrase there today. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So I want to pick out four things from that verse, and then I want to make four points today. The four things that I want us to understand from that little paragraph of scripture that we've read is that God, if you have crossed the line of faith, If you have, I'm trying to describe what it means to be a Christian now. If you have repented of your sins and you've invited Jesus into your life, you have what the Bible talks about become adopted by God. He has made you one of his children. You're adopted by the King of heaven. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you before you chose him. And he loves you. And that idea of adoption, it's like a legal, a, a legal procedure, a procedure that Jesus fulfilled in dying on the cross and God adopted us as his children. The second thing that it talks about there is that he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. That is like a mark or a sign that you are his. You know, when you get married, Uh, generally speaking in today's society you take on the name of the husband and that shows that you are now a family right and when a child is born that child inherits that surname and it's by the surname that we can tell which family people come from amen the holy spirit living inside of you is like god's surname on your life it's like him saying this one is mine this one is in my family this child is my child you have been adopted not only adopted but the spirit of God has been put in you as a sign to say this is my son this is my daughter you're a child of God and his spirit lives in you and you know what when you take on someone's surname You take on all the rights that come with it and you take on all the privileges that come with it when you carry the surname of God or the spirit of God in your life that means you have the authority of God you have his resources at your hand you have the privileges of being a son or a daughter of God there's nothing ordinary about you right so I just want you to understand that today and then it goes on to say the spirit who calls out Abba Father. It's a strange phrase because Abba is an Aramaic word which means father and it's put together with the Greek word father. Um, In the Bible the word father is used 922 times just because I know you wanted to know that and this phrase Abba Father is used just three times but it's super significant and I want us to look at those three verses today and I want you to understand what it means. It doesn't mean father, father. In the context of the day, using the phrase Abba, father was like saying dad. I loved the fact that you had that little throwaway comment at the end, Paul, when you talked about how Reese pointed at Jesus and called him Dada. That's what he is. Now you, as an adult, might not call him Dada, but the idea is the same. He is our heavenly dad. And if we can understand what that means, I believe it will transform the way that we relate as fathers. And maybe the way that we might be able to relate to God. Amen? So... When the Bible talks about this idea how the Holy Spirit cries, Abba Father, there's something um, intimate about the access that we have to God as our Father. You know, if you came from a really formal home, you wouldn't shout your dad's name out across the house. It would be unacceptable. You would probably feel like you'd have to call him Father, right, old fashioned, but this idea, and we get it in our house and so it helps me we might be upstairs in the bedroom and we will hear one of the children from downstairs at the other side of the house Dad! Shouting, now it's probably not ideal but what it means is they feel the ability to call upon me from the other side they know that we have the kind of relationship that they can shout my name and I will hear them and I will come running and that's exactly this idea that is, is used when they use the phrase Abba Father we have access to God our Father he cares about being involved in our lives we don't have to stand at arm's reach he's pulling us closer and it's important as we think about this idea of Abba Father that's the Father in heaven that we relate to. And then Paul talks as well at the end of that how we've also been made an heir. We have been made an heir of God's kingdom. Now what's the significance of that? Sometimes in society you might find that a family will adopt a child and they will say that it's their child but their blood children get treated differently. And one of the ways that you might see it played out is when they die, the adopted child might not be in the will, but the other blood children will be. I want to tell you something right now, just listen to me. Jesus is the blood heir of God, but you are an heir too, and you will get an equal portion of God's inheritance not just a part share what I'm trying to say is that you get it all God loves you so much that he chose to adopt you as his child he gave you his name he gave you the privileges and the rights that go with His name and one day when your time is finished you will inherit eternity but even in this life you have full access to God's kingdom You have full access to his name. You have full access to his power. You have full access to his godness. He is present and accounted for and he's willing and ready and waiting for you to call out his name. I need you to understand that today. There's something amazing about God as our Father. And if it can click in our hearts and minds, it'll help us. So I wanna make four points today, four elements that I'm trying to draw out from this to help us, not to condemn us or convict us, I mean, or, or to make us feel guilty, but something for us to feel convicted by like, man, I could do better, amen? Four elements that'll help us to relate to our children as fathers, so that one day, they will be able to relate to God as their heavenly father without hindrance. They'll get it and they'll be excited about it. They won't be confused. They won't be distant. They'll come running. So the first thing is, we need to be devoted as fathers. What do I mean by devoted? When I use the word devoted, it gives me this impression that that as if I was going to be a devoted father, I'm interested by the silly things in my children's lives. That when they come to me I don't shoo them away like I've got better things to do it's I'm present I'm involved when they've got a game I'm there at the game if I can be with everything within me I'll make every effort to be involved in the details of their lives I'm devoted to my children and I'm devoted to their mum that's what children want from a father someone who's devoted to them they don't want quality time if you were to give a child the choice between quality and quantity, which one do you think they'd take? Quantity. They don't want the odd opportunity to say how's it and do something really expensive. They just want to hang out. They want to be with you when you're doing stuff. They want to know that you're present, that you're interested in the stuff that they love and care about. They want to see you present at their plays. I, I know that this is tough. Okay but that's what our children need and want. I did not know my father for 23 years. When I was seven, my mom moved me away, my folks got divorced, I moved to Zimbabwe and she cut all contact with my father. I hadn't a clue where he was and there was no way for us to get in contact because she hid me from him. Now I don't care what you say, I was not better for that and I've seen since I've met I met my dad again when I was at the age of 30 from the age of 7 to the age of 30 that man dearly loves me and he if he could would spend every day here unfortunately we're a continent apart but he phones me regularly and we just sit and talk and we talk about the same stuff And sometimes we'll just sit quiet on the phone, but he wants to have contact with me. And I love that. I'm so sad that I missed that. But thanks to God, I'm okay. Amen? Children want their dads present. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 14. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane and his time was coming, he knew the brutal death that he was going to face. He needed his dad. Amen? He didn't need father or pater. He needed dad. And the Bible tells us in Mark 14, Abba, father, he said, Abba, father, dad, dad, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. That's one time, the second time, that this phrase Abba Father is used. At Jesus' time of greatest need, he knew his dad was present, and he could cry out to him with his greatest need. I, I really wanna say today, there's a lie in the world today that says you can have everything you want. You can have a fabulous family and an awesome marriage, and you can have a successful career, and you can have loads of money, and you can have a big house, and you can have all the stuff, and you can go on fancy holidays, and you can have perfect health, and you can have constant happiness. It's a lie. You can't have it all. We have to choose what matters. And the world is full, right? Of single people who are married trying to live like single people with all the things that they used to do when they were single the world is full of parents who have children trying to live like they don't have children we have to choose what is important and go for that thing because what happens often is our children get lost in our pursuit of what we think is unattainable and it's not reasonable The world is teaching us to be discontent. But I want to tell you, I said to God when I was younger, God, if I don't do anything great in my life, but I have awesome together kids, He showed me this. If I have them, Lord, I will have given the world the best thing that I possibly could have given. I don't care about all the money, I don't care about the fancy stuff. I'm choosing to be present. And so I want you to be challenged by that today. I don't want you to feel stroked on the back. I want you to see we have generations of children who are disconnected, who are disillusioned, who don't know which way is up. And what God designed for them is family and parents. So there's always more that we can do. Amen. We are in the situations that we're in, But we don't live in the past. We're always trying to be better by God's grace. The second point, that was D. They won't all be that long. The second point is as parents or as fathers, we need to be accepting and affirming. You know, one of the greatest and most wonderful attributes of God is that he accepts us, even though we are sinful and broken. And even when we run away from him, he still affirms us. He still accepts us. His words to us are life giving. You know I can remember distinctly one of the most, I felt so sad many years ago we were in the UK and we were dropping our kids off at primary school and there was a mum there who had two little twin daughters and if you could have heard the things that she was saying to them. And the way she was speaking to them, no child deserves to hear that from a parent. She was effing and blinding, telling them how inconvenient they were and how they were making her life so difficult. What do you think they grow up thinking about themselves? What do you think they're going to do when they have children? Amen? We need to affirm, you know, sometimes our kids do stuff that is not great. And we disagree with maybe their lifestyle or the choices that we're making. But we never stop calling them our children. We never stop loving them and caring for them. And we never stop speaking what God says about them over them. Amen. Our children gain their identity through us. And if we are speaking what God says we are to our children... That's giving them a good idea of who they are. Um, There's a beautiful story in the book of Matthew when Jesus has just been baptized and it's significant, folks, you need to hear it now. When the spirit comes down like a dove and a voice comes from heaven and God the Father speaks over Jesus publicly, publicly, right? He says, this is my son. It's like he's bragging about Jesus. This guy is my boy. And that's what he says about you by the way this is my son first there's the idea of the son belongs whom I love our kids need to hear us tell them that we love them they need to hear us tell them that we love them in private and in public they need to know that by our actions we love them amen and he goes on to say and I am well pleased man Jesus must have been fist pumping inside To get that kind of acknowledgement from his father in public must have filled him with great feelings of I don't know what you want to say pride good pride we need to affirm and we need to accept words and actions publicly and privately take the opportunity folks to brag about your kids in front of other people they may not like it but they need to know that you're proud of them those kinds of things lead to stronger and clearer identity within the children right and increased self-confidence you know a child who knows where they are from and who they are and where they're going is a confident child that will take on the world and will be a success they'll relate to people well they'll be productive they'll change the world amen because they had it from when they were small my third point today is We need to be, uh, the first one was devoted. The second, we need to be accepting and affirming. The third thing is we need to be as fathers demonstrating. Children are looking for role models. Yes. And children need, they pay attention to the things that we say and the things that we do. I I, I preached a sermon maybe 10 years ago and I found this great little poem and I want to read it to you. It's called The Little Chap That Follows Me. A careful man I want to be. A little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray, for fear he'll go the self-same way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be, that little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go, through summer suns and winter snows, I am building for the years to be that little chap who follows me. If you look in the New Testament and you see the way that Jesus related to his father, he clearly says, I don't do the things that my father doesn't do. I only do the things that my father does. I only say the things that my father says. His father was an example to him and he took his lead from his dad. Now obviously kids grow up and they become independent. But we are their mentor. We are their teacher. We can show them things through everyday life that they would never learn elsewhere. We are defining normal. Listen now. Dads, we are defining what is acceptable. We are defining what is normal. If your child grows up in a family where you speak unkindly and treat your wife badly, they will think there's something normal about that. And when they get married one day, they will do the same. If you treat your children badly, if you speak harshly to them, if you abuse them, they're gonna grow up broken and do the self-same thing and they'll create a cycle of brokenness and so it's important to understand that nothing goes unseen I watch my children these days and on the computer or on the TV there's something going on and at the same time there's something going on on the iPad and there might be something else now you say to them just look at what you have no idea what's going on in the t-. and they tell me I know what's going on there this just happened, don't underestimate how much children see you do, and hear you say. So we are demonstrating, and the last point that I want to make today, it's the word S, so we've, we've got to be devoted, we've got to be accepting and affirming, we are demonstrating whether we like it or not, let's be good demonstrators, and the fourth one is S, I couldn't find just one word, so I went for five. Okay, but they paint a picture. Okay, they paint a picture: security, stability, strength, support, supply, a sense, a sense of consistency, a sense of uh, I know what to expect. I know what the future holds for me because I see it now. There's a, there's no fear in them, right? Romans 8:15 is our third use of the word or the phrase Abba Father and this is what Paul says the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry dad Abba Father you are no longer slaves now I want to just tell you my salvation involved some key people and a part of my upbringing involved some key people and I honestly think I'm a walking miracle I'm not bragging but if I think about what I've been through I don't know how I'm still sane okay I'm not trying to be dramatic I had an alcoholic mom who drank us into rack and ruin. I had a stepdad who committed suicide. I didn't know my dad for 23 years. I came from brokenness, let me tell you. And the fact that I feel like I am who I am today is purely by the grace of God. But I wanna tell you, as a young boy, watching my mom making a complete fool of herself, watching herself drink herself into hospital, And be in hospital for a month at a time. Seeing her at times when she just didn't even recognize me. Wondering what is going to happen to me if this woman dies. Where am I going to go? Who's going to care for me? No child needs to live in that kind of fear. Amen. But God has adopted us. And he has changed us. And I want to tell you that my salvation has enabled me to redefine what is normal, okay? I want to tell you about a decision that I made. It's a very, it's a very personal decision. Some of you are gonna think it's super extreme. I'm not bothered by what you think, to be honest. I decided after I got saved that I would not drink alcohol. I would never have a pattern of drinking because I never ever wanted my children to go through what I had gone through I was not going to give the devil any chance of getting me I have never been drunk in my life and I know that is crazy talk because in society today it's widely acceptable I have never been high I have never exposed myself to anything because I never wanted to take the chance that I might go the self same way as my mom went I did not want my children to see me drunk I did not want them to see me being reckless and making a fool of myself I did not want them to see me self-destruct I did not want them to bury me early I wanted to live a full life in front of my family to show them that God is good that he can redeem the past and he can give us hope and make a way where there seemingly is no way. Now you make your own decisions in life but there's nothing wrong in being extreme. I don't miss it, I've never loved it, I don't care. I don't feel like I have to chemically get myself relaxed. I'm just who I am, if you don't like me I don't care that's your opinion. That's just alcohol, I don't care about it and I don't think it's helpful. If I could read you some more statistics that would be another story, we're not going to go there. The point is my kids will have a level of strength and security and stability and support because I made a big boy decision. Amen. And I'm challenging us to be the kind of people who do that for the sake of our kids. Now I want to finish now but I want to say there's a, there are a few ways that we can apply this today. So obviously there are dads in this room today who we can all be better dads, right? There are those who would love to be dads who just can't but I wanna tell you there's still a role for you. You can still be a kingdom of God father in the church. The church presents us with opportunities to be role models. When my mom died, I literally had no family in the UK. If it wasn't for the two guys who were volunteering to lead the youth work at this little church that I went to, do you know what, it's astounding I was just this messed up kid in the youth group they invited me to come and live with them for nine months I lived with they had no obligation to me I was just the snotty kid in their youth group but they took me in over that period and they they reflected something of God's heart to draw me close to himself. When my mom died my uncle came from Zimbabwe to tidy up her affairs And he invited me to come and live with them. He didn't know me. I was a messed up kid. I could not say I love you. I refused to open myself up to anybody. When I first arrived in Zimbabwe, I would wander around this big garden with my football all by myself, just kicking it around, sad and forlorn. They didn't know what they were getting, but they took me in still. And I want to tell you, I call him my dad. For 16 years he paid for my schooling, he looked after me, he fed me, he was a Christian man, he loved me, he told me about Jesus and he was an example to me that I did not have. And so I want to tell you, you might not be able to be a biological parent, but you can adopt and you can be an amazing role model to the young kids in our church. Or even a spiritual father to a younger man there's something about fatherhood that we miss and God wants to uphold it he wants to raise the bar he wants to show us how awesome he is as a dad he doesn't want us to be afraid he wants us to be confident in his presence to run to him and to have the kind of relationship with our kids where that thing happens as well and so I've said too much I'm going to leave it there. Lord, I thank you that you are our father. That you're not an austere and distant dad. But that you are present. That you are caring. That you're involved, Lord. That you're affirming. That you demonstrated what love is by your own son, Jesus. And you are the one constant in our lives, Lord Jesus, that is unshakable. Your word says you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that gives us confidence, Lord, to be who you made us to be. We know we're loved. And we want to tell the world about what an awesome Father you are, God, so the rest of the world can know. Help us. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.